Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Well, today we're going to finish our series, uh, PG, uh, and, and the majority of the material that we've been working uh, from comes from Paul David Tripp's book uh, called Parenting, and um, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but I don't know about you, as I was preparing for today's message, uh, reading through this book, I was incredibly challenged by all of the things that I was reading, and you know, it was a good challenge, it was the good kind of thing, like when you're working out and you know you're getting bigger, and or you're trimming down, whatever you want to do, um, you know, that, that it's, it's difficult work, but you know it's good because you're growing, you're learning, that's what this feels like, and and if, if you've been coming, you know, for the last couple of weeks and, and participating in these series, this sermon series, and you felt that way, uh, that's good. It's good to know that we can grow. But I want to encourage you, uh, if, if you haven't had a chance to listen to all of these sermon series um, or all of these messages in this series, please go to our, our webpage, go to quest.org. You can find the link in there uh, towards all of the, the media sermons, messages, and everything. Uh, listen to them because they, they really are uh, wonderful and I know that Ross has said this already, but this material, uh, while it's written primarily in the context of parenting, this is stuff that applies to our lives as followers of Jesus in, in almost every single way. And uh, when we were prepping this series, when we were thinking about it uh, about six months ago, we were, we were kind of like, what are those people going to say who don't have kids or, you know, who have, you know, their grandparents now? And are they going to appreciate this? And, and we just kept coming back to, these are good principles. These are things that everyone needs to know. These will help any follower of Jesus. And, and so uh, we, we are excited about it, but, you know, it's just been good. And I know in my own life, I am a parent, but I've already seen how uh, some of this stuff has applied uh, in my life in other relationships. I mean, I, my, the people I work with at church, I mean, they're the most childish people that I know. And so um, I'm just kidding. They're, our staff is incredible, but uh, it, it really, it, it, it is good. It's good for us to, to be able to use this. Um, in our relationships, not just with our kids, but also with our siblings, our even our coworkers, our friends, um, and uh, and so I, I just encourage you this this morning, like let this uh, material really challenge you. And and uh, um, anyway, well, today we're going to talk about authority. And, uh, and I think in, in terms of this book, and, and, and Paul Tripp would say this too, that this is probably one of the most important concepts that comes out of the entire series that we've been teaching so far and out of, out of this book. And, and, um, and, and, and I, I, just like you, I'm sure, like, I don't have to find only this challenge to authority in my living room. We see it everywhere. I mean, if you, if you just take a drive around Columbus, you'll find someone challenging authority, right? I mean, how many people are speeding or um, not using their blinkers when they're driving? <sighs> Come on, people. Use your blinkers. Let us know where you want to go. I'm just kidding. I, it's, it's a frustration of mine. I, I, I tease the students. Those of you who don't know, I'm a youth pastor here, and, um, and so a lot of times when students get their, their driver's permits or their driver's license, I joke with them about, oh gosh, now the world's going to be, you know, way less safe because you are behind the wheel. And, and the reality is, the reality is those new drivers, 
those new drivers are typically the safest drivers that we have because they are following every single rule that, that they've been taught. You know, they're, they're staying within the speed limit. They're trying to be careful. They're afraid of all of the rest of us who, who are just so, you know, free living with the way that we drive. Like, you know, it, we are the unsafe ones. That's all I'm saying because we don't know who's in charge. Really, we want to be in charge. Anyway, today we're going to focus in on 2 Corinthians. And if you have your Bibles, um, I encourage you to open up there. We're going to be in chapter 5. We're going to be focused on verses 14 through chapter 6, verse 2. And and as you turn there this morning, I I want to encourage you uh, to prepare your heart to be led by the Holy Spirit today. This text is, it is encouraging, it's good, but it's also challenging. And, and, and the, what Paul does with the church in Corinth, what he's talking to them about, is really, uh, it, it, I think every person in this room will understand it and be challenged by it. Because none of us have fully surrendered to Jesus in the way that, that we should or can we're all working to, to grow closer to him, to allow him to, to be the leader of our life. Um, and so I, I think in terms of us understanding who really is an authority in our lives, um, when we move closer to Jesus and we allow him to take that position, uh, that tr- to truly take that position, one of the beautiful things is we start to see all of the relationships in our life be blessed by that. They, they really are affected in a positive way. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about this message today. I, I am incredibly nervous, too, because there are some challenging things in here. And so um, please bear with me today. I hope you'll just, um, like I said, prepare your hearts, open your minds, and um, we'll walk through this together. Uh, because this is one of those things. When we understand authority, and when we're able to teach our children what it means to submit to another authority then what we're ultimately doing is we're teaching them the fullness of the gospel. What it means to to be saved by God, to be saved by Jesus as much as they can and in all of the areas of their lives. So let's let's open up with this this passage in 2 Corinthians. We're going to start in verse 5. The words are on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with me in there and take notes and underline some stuff. Verse 14. Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. Christ's love controls us. Paul starts pretty bold right there, doesn't he? Okay. Um, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. 
so that we would be made right with God through Christ. Chapter 6, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. And indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Um, so the context of this passage, this, this is important to know because what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth really does speak to us as parents of children who may be experiencing some disobedience in their lives. Um, what, what's happening is there's this rift that's happening in the Corinthian church. Paul's already written a, a, the first letter, 1 Corinthians, to the church addressing some of the immorality that they were experiencing. What was happening in that letter was... Um, these people who were coming to Christ, they weren't really allowing Jesus to transform their lives, which then turns into a behavior that's, that looks more like Christian behavior. Um, and, and so Paul was addressing that. And then something else happens. There's this revolt that, that breaks out in the Corinthian church. A revolt that started from a couple of folks who claimed that Paul was not a true apostle of Jesus Christ. And they were claiming authority over the church, saying, you need to follow us instead of him. And so all of a sudden, there's confusion about who is really in charge of the church. And, and Paul then is, is writing this letter to, to clear it up. And, and it's interesting because the way that, that he talks about it, the way he talks to the church is, is so um, careful. It's patient. It's kind. It's loving. But it's also he's correcting them. And he's encouraging them. And, and I think he's doing the same thing with us. And so uh, one of the things that I, I think is important for us is, is that like when, when we look into our lives, I think there's, there's something that we need to also be able to admit. And a lot of times it's easier to see it um, from the perspective of someone else, like looking at someone else's life and saying, okay, they've got an issue. Um, but we have to be uh, open to this as a as something that we need to deal with in our own lives. None of us are immune to it. And, and that is, at some point, we must ask ourselves this question, who is really in charge in our lives? Who has the ultimate authority in our lives? Who makes the rules? Who's in charge? Is it me? Is it someone else? Now, I see this in my house all the time. I, I really do. And I'm kind of lucky... For those of you who don't know, I have, I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-month-old. And, and um, because they're a little bit younger, we haven't established um, a system the way the Ottomans have established a system when he preach, when Ross preaches. Like, so for those of you who don't know, if Ross ever uses a story about his kids, he has to pay them money uh, to, to use the story. It's true. I don't have the same system, so I can talk about my kids all I want and it's free today. Um, so you're going to hear some stories and, and that's okay. But, um, I, I do, I, I see this all the time in my house. In fact, last night it was, I, man, I could have written my sermon last night and really knocked it out of the park, but this is what we hear. We hear all the time. It's, and, and I'm not, I don't want to, you know, like tell you exactly which kid this is, but if you've ever been around my daughter in the preschool, you'll know. She is funny because like when she doesn't get her way, what she does, and she's precious. I love my daughter. She's so sweet. Um, but when she doesn't get her way, she stands like rigid, you know, and, and puts her, you know, fist down. Has anyone seen this in the, and seriously, I, I'm, I'm asking. Okay, good. Someone else. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. 
You know, and she'll scream and she'll say, I'm not happy right now. This is not making me happy. And we're so thankful that's what she says instead of some of the other stuff that we've had to like train out of her. Um, but like, and, and you know, when she's not happy, it's typically because we're asking her to do something obviously that she doesn't want to do, but it's not crazy stuff. It's like, Lillian, we want you to finish eating your peas. Like th- this is what we're talking about. I'm not happy right now. I'm not having fun. No, it's peas, but it's good for you. Or, you know, like we need you to brush your teeth. It's time for you to brush your teeth. You're going to bed. Not right now. And I don't know. It's, it's how many of you parents have kind of, okay, good. So not alone. All right. What you probably know is that, um, like when you have those conversations with your kids, you, you know that it's not really about peas or brushing teeth. That's not the real fight. They may think it is, but you know the real fight is about who's in charge. Who's establishing the rules and, and who, who's the one who, 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 who's going to make you know, things happen and, and who's in, in authority here. Another example, and I think this is very telling of human nature. Um, some of you might have experienced this too. Uh, hypothetically speaking, so I've, I've never experienced this, but hypothetically speaking, if you were to have like a seven-month-old baby and mom was going to walk out of the room and that baby just starts crying and wailing, and it's almost like you can hear that baby talking for the first time saying, no, mom, you're not going to leave the room. Have any of y'all heard that? I've got a plan for you, mom, and that plan is for you to hold me for the rest of my life. Anybody? Yeah. I swear, we're, we're writing in, in Lorelai's baby book, and it's like, first words that she uttered today, I am the Lord of you. <laughs> and, I mean, because, you know, they just start screaming and crying, and, and what, as parents, what do we, what do we want to do? I mean... We want to care for them. We capitulate. We, 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 we want to go pick them up because we want them to know that they are loved, that they are, they're secure, that we're going to provide for them, that we're going to you know, make sure that they're safe, right? And, and, but the, the reality is that that seven-month-old, that baby is saying, I am in charge. I'm the one who sets the agenda for this place. And I think what it starts to demonstrate is that like, from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of time, this has always been an issue. Every single human on the planet, with the exception of one, Jesus Christ, deals with this issue of self-rule. I'm in charge. I'm the one that sets the agenda. And the only way to fight this idea of self-rule is through the grace of Jesus so we all want to be the authority of our lives. And the, I think the problem for this is that when, when it grows up, when it's never challenged or corrected, or when kids don't understand that they need to submit to another authority in their life, as they grow up, it becomes a little bit darker and, and potentially even more sinister, right? Like when you, when you see an adult who's never had to submit to anyone else's authority in their life, it's no longer just, I'm in control of my life, but I'm also going to control yours. I will manipulate to get my way, to get what I want. And that's dangerous. And that's why this is such an important thing for us as parents to deal with in our kids' lives. 
to help them to see that not only is it important for them to submit to another authority, but it's also a blessing. It's a good thing. And, And side note, and this is really important, I think, children, if they never learn to submit to the authority of someone else, it's going to be really difficult for them to learn how to submit to the authority of Jesus. As a parent, if you haven't had to deal with this yourself, haven't had to learn to submit to the authority of someone else, you may struggle with submitting to the authority of Jesus in your own life. And, and if you can't submit to Jesus, if you can't surrender to him, then it's going to be really difficult for you to teach your kids how to do that because you can't teach what you don't possess, right? It's, it's, it just doesn't work that way. And so today I, I want us to be thinking about this in our own lives. You know, w- w- the question that we can, we can answer for ourselves is when was the last time that we thought about how much of our life we are genuinely surrendering to Jesus? How much are we willing to say, God, this is yours. My life is yours, all of it. Because it's not, a lot of times we we think of this terms of like salvation with Jesus. We think, yes, I I give my life to Jesus and, and that's all we do with it. But the reality is there are these pockets in our life, these categories, these places where we may surrender some of this stuff to him, but we're not willing to give this to him. And so we need to be people who are willing to say, I, I want to get to the place where I'm willing to give all of it to you, Jesus. Willing to, to surrender in entirety all of my life to you. So we meet this tension of who has the authority in our own life. Who has authority in our children's life. And when we look at what Paul is writing uh, to the church in Corinth... Uh, and I told you a little bit about this before. We see we see the the church uh, full of people who who have said that they're giving their life to Jesus, but they're not allowing Him to transform them. They're only giving little pockets of them. And, and Paul is saying, No, no, no. You got to give all of yourself to Him. You've got to find those places and learn how to to surrender it to Him. And then then there's this real big full authority issue. Not only do you have to uh, submit to the authority of Jesus, but you also have to submit to the authority that's placed in your life by Jesus. And it's interesting because, like Paul's leadership, and and Paul. He's, he's an interesting guy. His leadership, he is a submissive leader. And, and I want us to, to read verses 15 through 17 again of chapter 5. But as we read, remember who Paul was before he surrendered his life to Jesus. Paul called himself a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was a man who, who was attacking and killing Christians who he felt were threatening his faith as a Jewish leader and teacher. Okay, And so here he is now finally saying this to, to the Corinthian church. Just keep that in perspective of who he was and who he is now. He says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Listen to verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. And this means that anyone, 
Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. These are, these are not words from a man who's trying to lord his authority over someone. These are, these are words from a man who is submissive, who's surrendered to Jesus. It's a man who, has, who has, he knows what it means to be wrong. He's confessed that he was wrong and he's been forgiven. And now he wants everyone that he meets to experience that same kind of forgiveness. Paul is an ambassador for Christ to the church in Corinth. He's living forgiveness to them. And in the very same way as parents, we have a responsibility to be this same kind of ambassador for our children. So let's talk a little bit about what this looks like for us. And let's begin by discerning clearly where our authority comes from as parents. And this is, this is a statement that I'm about to make that may frustrate some of you. You may not um, like it, but go ahead and write it down so you can get me, um, like you can quote me word for word and then send me hate mail later. I'm totally fine with that. But, um, uh, this is, I mean, we have to understand as parents, as parents, we do not have any authority over our children that's derived from the fact that we brought our children into this world or, or we've adopted them. Thank you. Okay. One less stone thrown at me later. That's good. No, I, 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 we say this all the time, right? I brought you into this world so I can take you out of it. I, that's, 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 that's that. I'm going to lord my authority over you. But the reality is the only authority that we have over our children comes from God. We have authority over them, but it's only from God because he gave our children to us. He blessed us with them. And, and so that means that we cannot rule over our children in any way that we want to. We have to exercise our authority as ambassadors of God and his amazing plan for their lives. We demonstrate to them what it means to be loved by God. I mean, we, this is something, we, we say this about everything else in our lives, right? And it, it's, it's, it's easy for us to, to talk about it that way. Like, we'll talk about our finances. We'll say, we're so grateful for God, for all that he's given to us, the ways that he's provided for us. And so we feel comfortable giving back to him our tithes and our offerings. We'll bless the church with, with our money so they can continue to do the kingdom work of God. We'll, we'll, we'll make donations to the, the hurricane relief. Um, we'll do those things because we trust that God's going to give them back to us. But when it comes to our kids, a lot of times we're not willing to say that same thing. We, we're, we're almost like, no, I'm, I've got to be in charge. It, it's, this, is how, this is how I have to do it. Practically speaking, though, if you ever want to find a way to demonstrate to people what it means to live like Jesus did, I, I, want to, I want to say this. The very best way that we can grow in this area is to be as intentional as we can with our children about our faith. 
It means that we, we live out the things that we believe right in front of them. And this is, this is a Deuteronomy 6 pr- principle, and, and, and if you're not familiar with that, that's okay. Um, what I'm referring to is um, in Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, there's this prayer that uh, the Israelites learned to pray. It's known as the Shema. It's a really beautiful thing. But from the beginning of time, from, from like when, when, when like people were learning what it means to follow God, God was saying, this is something you always have to do in front of your kids. The Shema goes a little bit like this. I am the Lord your God and I am one. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And then he goes on to say, and all of the ways that I provided for you, make sure that you're telling your kids about those things all the time. Whenever you sit down, whenever you eat, whenever you go to sleep, whenever you rise in the morning, whenever you go walking on the road, whenever you're, you know, playing, what it doesn't matter what you're doing, make sure that your kids know that I have provided for you. Find ways to tell them about my goodness and my glory. Demonstrate it to them. Live it out in front of them at all times. When we consider the things that Jesus did, when we think about the way that he lived, about his attitude towards us and towards the people that he lived around, it gives us an idea uh, of the way that, that we should parent our children. And, and here's what I mean. Think about for yourself, how have you been treated by Jesus? Has Jesus shown you love? Has, has he cared for you and provided for you? Have you seen his provision in your life? What about your sin? What about those times when you knew you were breaking the heart of God with your sin? Did Jesus still forgive you for that? Maybe going a little bit more specifically and probably harder for us to think about, when we were sinful... Was Jesus patient with us? Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. Is, is that in the midst of our sin, Jesus loves us and he cares for us and he doesn't push us um, or chastise us in, in, in ways that exasperate us, but instead he demonstrates his patience. And so then how should we parent our children in light of that? And I, I, I mean, we need to be patient. And I, I think sometimes patience comes easy for some folks. I know for me, patience can come easy, but it's usually like a rare occasion, like that occasion um, when, I, when I've already had two cups of coffee and it's 76 degrees outside and sunny and my kids are totally behaving. I can be as patient as the day is long. I mean, right? Yeah, am I? Okay, I'm not alone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm... Right, but sometimes it's really difficult. But here's what I have to remember. In my own life, in my own sin, and in all of those places, what I've experienced from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit is that their patience with me never runs out. They never run out of patience. And and that doesn't mean that they don't um, discipline me, that I don't experience instruction from God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't expect me to learn from what I'm going through or or what the truth is. God expects those things from me and, and from any of us who are followers of Jesus. But while that expectation is there, there's always this patience that goes with it. They're allowing us, God is allowing us to take our own time in that growth and in that transformation. And as parents, 
this is how we need to be with our children. And, and it occurs to me that the only way that, um, that I can ever be proficient in this, and I think this is probably true for you, proficient in our patience or proficient in any kind of skill of parenting, is that we must be people who prepare for situations before they come up. We can't wait until our patience is tested to see if we're actually going to be patient, right? Because that's when, I don't know, we... we, we fall apart. And, um, at least I know that's true for me. And one thing that I'm doing right now in order to grow in this area of patience with my children and, and how I discipline them. And this is something that Ross and Wendy talked about last week is learning to see everybody around me, including myself as a sinner and, and realizing that all the people that I interact with at some point in time, they're going to hurt me potentially. That may, may not happen, but potentially they're going to hurt me. They're going to break my heart. They're going to sin against me. They're going to offend me. They're going to do something that could cause me uh, pain. And so, therefore, when it happens, I'm prepared for it. And here's the other thing: I have to realize that my kids are the same way. My seven-year-old son, my four-year-old daughter, my seven-month-old daughter—they're going to sin against me. They're going to break my heart. It's going to be gut-wrenching. But if I'm preparing my mind and my heart for that experience, when it comes, I can be patient with them. I can lead them with grace and patience instead of frustration. And I guarantee you, our kids know the difference. When we discipline our children out of our frustration, they know what it looks like. And all we really do is we deepen the divide between them and what it means to submit to another authority in their life. As ambassadors for God, when we parent, we have to demonstrate to our children that we are submitting to a higher authority. And sometimes... What that means is we don't get to do what we want to do, but we know that we've got a model surrender. I, w- I was thinking about this in my own life, and um, and and I, I was the other day. I was I was at home. I had had a really rough uh, day at work because I already told you the people I work with are childish and they're they're hard to work with, um, and so they're you know, testing me really hard. No, that's not true. But it was, it was a difficult day at work. A lot of things were kind of um, going wrong and, and I had a lot more stuff on my plate than I wanted to. And when I got home, uh, I, I w- all I wanted to do was sit on the sofa and, and like disconnect from everything that was in front of me. Have, have any of you guys ever felt like that? Like all you want to do is either watch TV or maybe get on the iPad and read the news or something else, anything else but human interaction. I didn't want that at that moment. And my kids were disobeying me. Because I was telling them we had just had dinner and um, Alexis was in the kitchen and she was, you know, cleaning up. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling my, my kids, you need to go help mom clean up. You need to, this is what you have to do. And, and I, reflecting on it now, I'm thinking, man, I, I was a big jerk because um, I was sitting on the sofa telling my kids that they needed to do work. They probably had a hard day too. They just started school. It's really difficult. And I'm telling them, you need to go do that. And I'm the one that's being lazy. And I, and it's, it's, I think what we do now, hear me, if you feel any conviction by what I'm saying right now, that's the Holy spirit. It's not me. I, I'm not trying to judge you from the pulpit. In fact, I'm trying to give you stories from my own life where I am a complete failure because there's a lot of them. But I think God, God desires that we lead our children in, in such a graceful way. And so if you feel that conviction, I, um, it's from him. Our children are naturally resistant to authority. 
And whenever we begin to discipline them out of our own sinfulness or a position of our selfishness and it comes out in an abusive way or a a, a lazy way or something like that, it just keeps them in this cycle of self-rule. And so if you're a person who is taking notes, I want you to write this question down just to think about for yourself, what kind of picture does your parenting style paint for your children? Because ultimately, it should be painting a picture of God. But in the midst of our brokenness and our failure, oftentimes we paint a terrible picture for them. And a lot of this stuff, I know, it, it digs real deep. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you, if you don't have it yet, uh, buy this book. Paul David Tripp. It's a great book. Uh, it's a it's it's a really challenging read, but it is challenging in the very best way possible because it 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 it, it will it'll just encourage you and help you along this path of parenting, and hopefully um, will guide you into a place where like as like we that we parent gracefully, and and I I've just been. I've been really blessed by it, so I encourage you to buy it. And um, if you don't know where to go to get it, come find me. I'll I'll point you in that direction. But as we draw draw to a close today, because I'm over time already. Sorry. I want to dig into one more thing uh, because I believe this is this is if we get this right as parents. And, and once again, this is one of those things that applies to all of the relationships in our lives. It's not just um, for parents, but if we can get this right, then I think this issue of authority can be worked out on so many levels for our children. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about confession and forgiveness. We're going to go back to Paul, uh, verse 19 and 20 of chapter 5, and listen to what he says, because... This is such a, a, an interesting conversation that he's having with the church. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And now Paul, when, when he's addressing the church in Corinth, he's talking to people he knows are sinning. They're, they're flat out sinning, but he's not chastising them when he says this to them. He's not berating them. He's not even saying it in, in, a, in, like, in a harsh way. What he's ultimately saying is, um, hey, guys, I've been there. I'm a sinner too. I have fallen in these areas. And the great news is that God has forgiven me. He will forgive me. And he does the same for you. The goal in this relationship with God is reconciliation. And so if you will accept that forgiveness, you can draw closer to him. And in our parenting, we have to be prepared to do this with our children. We have to be the kinds of ambassadors to them that show them this kind of love. When they sin, when they disobey, we have to come alongside them with grace, with patience. We have to instruct them. And we have to demonstrate to them that God loves them and he will forgive them. I was, I was at the store the other day. I'm going to tell a little story um, on myself. I was, at, I was at Kroger 
And this was in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day, and I was incredibly hungry. I hadn't had lunch. And um, I'm going through the checkout line, and something isn't scanning right. I'm at the U-Scan thing, and it's not scanning right. Like, what I was going to buy, it it was supposed to be $2 less. And so the lady at the U-Scan came up to me, and she was trying to help me out. And she's correcting me. She's saying, no, I'm sorry. Um, This isn't, you know, like, it's going to cost you more money than you think. And I got really frustrated with her. And, and I, I mean, I'm embarrassed about what it was over beef jerky. And, um, and I, my hunger, my frustration, I let her have it. I mean, I, I did. I, I, and I just, I wanted my way that day. Um, I wanted to get it for $2 less and I didn't. And so I kind of had this exchange that was real ugly between her. And then I walked out and, um, I was so terrible. And a couple days later, this is a store that I go to on a regular basis, like four or five times a week. I'm at at this Kroger and I walk in, I'm with Lofton this next time that I'm back in there. And I see this lady at the U scan and the Holy, Holy spirit prompts me. You need to go up to her and you need to ask her for forgiveness. And I'm thinking, Oh, I don't like it puts light on my brokenness on the fact that I'm a jerk and I don't want to do that. And so, um, I did, I went ahead and I I responded to him. I I went up to her and I I said, look, I'm so sorry about the way that I treated you the other day. It was completely unfair. You didn't deserve that. And she, she says, I, I remember, um, I remember our interaction and she goes, in fact, every time I walk past the beef jerky aisle in Kroger, I think about what you said to me and I'm like, Oh, I'm terrible, you know, but she was a, she was sweet. She was wonderful. She uh, certainly didn't deserve what I gave to her, but she offered me forgiveness. And, um, and it was, it was a really sweet moment. And I was, I was there with, as was there with Lofton as we're walking out and I was explaining to him what I had done, you know, and why I, I felt like I needed to, to talk to her about it. Cause she didn't deserve that. And I don't know, I don't know if, um, Lofton, if, if that really uh, impacted him in a positive way. But what I hope is that he saw his dad being willing to be humble and to know that he needed to confess sin and, and receive forgiveness because that's what I want Lofton to be like. I want him to be a kid who, who can know when he's wrong and confess it and ask for forgiveness. And I think as parents that we have to be the kind of people who are leading the way for our children in this submission. This is the only way that they'll know how to surrender. The only way that they'll ever get a graceful picture of God is if we're willing to do it first, to model it in front of them. And and so I want to encourage you. I know that for me, I'm going to make a mistake in front of my kids again. But what I hope that I can do, and what I hope that if that ever happens with you guys, is that you'll take that as an opportunity to teach them, to model in front of them what it means to say you're sorry to your spouse. Let your kids see it. Let it be a teachable moment. Have the band come on up. I want to close today with a bit of encouragement. Because I know this message can be a little bit hard. Um... But I want to I want to flip this whole idea of um, like rebellion in our kids and the sinfulness, and I want to flip it on its head, and for us to see it in a different way. And and so I want to encourage you: every time you see your child as being rebellious or, 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 or disobedient, or you know just uh, frustrating you, don't think of that as a problem. 
But instead, think of it as a glimpse into the heart of your child. Right? A heart that desperately needs to know the saving grace of Jesus. And this is an opportunity for you as a parent to show them another time how much Jesus wants to show them grace and mercy. Rebellion really is another opportunity for us to embed the story of Jesus's grace into the lives of our kids. That's a beautiful idea. I think when we, when we see those moments and we get frustrated by them, if we just say, no, this is, this is a good chance for us to be loving like Jesus was with our kids. It'll change those moments. Well, today as we close, um, we're going to do something differently than what we normally do. Normally, uh, we, you know, we save prayer for the end of the service after the offering and after the song. But today, if you're anything like me, you read a book like this or you hear some guy up front talking about these things and you're listening and it creates a lot of anxiety. I know for me it creates anxiety. And you may be one of those people who says, I can't wait with this anymore. I need to... I need prayer. I want to deal with this now. And so what I want to encourage you with is if that's you, if you're saying, I, I, this stuff is going on in my life. I've messed up as a parent. I want to fix it. And by the way, I don't mean this to be a guilt trip in any way. There's no shame involved in this. This is actually a place where we can come before the Lord and invite him into these places in our lives as parents where, where we can say, please guide me, please lead me. And if that's you, then I want to invite you to come forward. It's a little different, but I want you to come forward. And if you want someone to pray for you, I want to encourage you to come over here. And this this place over here will be an indication that you want someone to pray with you in this stuff that you're dealing with. Or you may be a person who says, yeah, I do want prayer, but I don't want someone to pray with me. I I, I just, I need to be alone with God, but I want to move out of my pew and and go to a different place where I can maybe kneel before him or whatever. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, to come over here and we'll know that you're just, you just need some time alone with God and you can pray with him. And that's, 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 we'll, we'll respect that. Maybe you're different than every, than either of those. And, and you're kind of like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, that's good. I want to encourage you to sing, to worship, to engage with him. But if you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you, maybe to go pray with one of these folks or to pray with someone else, respond to that nudge. Respond to that nudge. So let's, let's worship God. I want to invite you guys to stand. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And then we will sing some more to Jesus. Heavenly Father. God, we, we thank you for the ways that you parent us. How you demonstrate to us in the midst of our brokenness when you could be frustrated or you could be angry or you, you could just write us off. Instead, you're patient with us and you, you show us love and grace when we don't deserve it. Thank you. Lord, I pray that we might be so aware of who you are to us in those moments. Let us be so aware that it transforms us from the inside out so that we can be 
living and walking people who demonstrate the same kind of love, grace, and patience with the people around us. We can demonstrate that, that we are, first and foremost, we want to be like you. So God, I invite you into this place, into, into the, the, the space that we're in. Speak to us. Minister to us. Teach us, transform us, we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's worship. If you need to pray and you want someone to pray with you, please come down here. Otherwise, we encourage you to go over there. Thank you, church. Church, if you uh, want prayer for something else other than what we were talking about this morning, I want to invite you to come forward. There will be folks down here uh, that will pray for you. If you want healing or something is going on in your life, please come forward and, and uh, we'll pray for you. But I want to say thank you so much for coming and being with us today and worshiping here. Uh, it was good seeing you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.